you know, we're continuing on the discipleship series with our team leaders of Derek and Meredith. And it has just been awesome. And the thing about the discipleship, no matter what you're going through, you'll get something out of every message, something that will build you up. Tonight we're talking about the heart of a servant. A servant, a person who performs duties for others, a devoted, helpful follower and helper. You know, the greatest example of a servant is none other than Jesus himself. Philippians 2.15, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in likeness of a man. You know, Jesus humbled himself. He surrendered all his rights and he took on a servant's role. And because he did this, God has highly exalted him, giving him a name that's above every name, that at that name, knees will bow, and tongues will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mark 10, 43 in the message. You know, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, you know, we want you to do something for us. And Jesus said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, grant that one of us sit on our right hand and the other on the left. Did I do it right? <laughs> but, you know, they wanted position. They wanted greatness. And the other disciples, they got mad at them. Might be because they didn't ask first. But Jesus let them know, that's not mine to give but the Father. You know, we're talking about being a servant. One who performed duties for others. When we Forget about self. And we see someone else with a greater need. And we serve that need. God always comes through. So here's Jesus' response to James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Mark 10, 43. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. How does the world define greatness? The four Ps. The first is power. You know, back in, if you ever watched those old westerns, you had this cattle burn. He owned just about the whole town and about all the land and stuff. And he had the power. If he said jump, everybody jumped. And, you know, the world wants that, that kind of power. The second one is position, possessions. You know, a lot of people want those, that mansion, the Lamborghini and all those things. And... That's what the world defines greatness as, the status that you are. Just like all these movie stars with all these mega millions. And a lot of them are living a miserable life. But the world says by their standards that, hey, they're living high off the hog. But if you could only see behind the door. The next is prestige. Hey, I'm doctor, so-and-so. You know, I want to be recognized as somebody. The world says, hey, recognize me for who I am. I'm this great actor. I'm this and I'm that. I remember years ago when I was a baby in Christ, there was this lady and she wanted everyone to know who she was and she did her title and it was in a way that it just, it, oh, here I'm a baby in Christ and it just ran right through me and even then I could see that, wow, she's high on herself. 
And that's the way the world is. And the last one is position. People want to lead the parade. They don't want to be in the back. They want the uppermost seats like the Pharisees. They want it to be seen. Jesus measured greatness in terms of service and not status. Mark 8, 36. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I don't know about you, but I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You can't take it with you. Only thing you're going to do is leave it behind for the family to fight over. But you can't take it with you. Philippians 2, 3 through 6. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Tony Evans said, the most honored title that we can receive as a Christian is that of a servant. Matthew 25, 23. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Tony Evans also said, Servanthood is the attitude and action that seeks the well-being of others in order to please God. I learned that lesson as a babe in Christ. In 1979, I accepted Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Didn't go to church. I didn't even own a suit. And my sister, at the time, her husband was in the Air Force, and she sent me a care package. And in the care package was a suit she got from the thrift store. She didn't even know I was wanting the suit. But I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I got the suit out. I put it on. I mean, it fit me to the T. It, I didn't have to alter it or nothing. And it was a black pinstripe. Boy, did I love that suit. I love that suit. Because when I was in it, it made me happy. You know, it made me happier than a pig wallowing in mud. I mean, it just, I just wore it to church, and they talked about how nice it was and how good it looked. I loved my suit, my one and only suit. And the Lord spoke to my heart. There was a guy in church, my same height, my same size. You know where I'm going? And God put on my heart, give him your suit. And here, I'm a babe in Christ. I had a Willis response. You know what a Willis response is? What you talking about, Willis? My only suit. Why would God tell me to give my only suit? And I kind of put it on the shelf. I said, well, you know, sometimes, you know, the enemy can speak things to you. So I didn't want to be disobedient to God, but I wanted to make sure because that was my only suit. And I loved it. And it got to the point where I did not have peace. Give him your suit. Give him your suit. I kept hearing that. And so I had the suit cleaned. And I was joyful about it. And I gave it to him. And that next Sunday, he wore the suit to church. And when I looked at him, I cried. I finally understood 
that there's always somebody less fortunate than we are. If you could have seen the excitement on his face, you know, he just was in hog heaven. And I just, I, it was, it made me feel so good. And people were just commenting on how nice the suit looked on him. And I'm sitting there, I can see like Mary when she pondered it in her heart. Because they didn't tell him, hey, I gave him that suit. Hey, I gave him that suit. Yeah, yeah. I would have, but I just pondered and I just looked and it just spoke magnitudes to me that I was able to help someone who was less fortunate. I did have two pennies to rub together. He only had one, so he couldn't rub two pennies together. And at this time, the Carolina Thrift had just opened up. And I love thrift stores. I love yard sales. So on garbage day, if you got something on the street that you put on the street, if you see me with the van backed up, no shame in my game. <laughs> so I went to the Carolina Thrift, and I went to the men's section, and the suit section. I seen a suit that I liked. I got it. I took it in the dressing room. It fit me to the T. Did not have to alter it. Did not have to hem it up. Then I went to the shoe section. Pair of shoes just my size. I got a tie. I got a shirt. And I walked out of that place spending less than $10 for all those things. The suit was only $2 and some change. And that was my honey hole. Just about every other day I was at the Carolina Thrift. And before you know it, I had eight suits. I could have wore a suit every day of the week if I wanted to. And there was only one suit I had that didn't fit. All I had to do was just hem the legs. But it started with, give him your suit. Give him your suit. When we serve others as Jesus has served us, it comes back good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. I mean, a suit for every day of the week if I wanted to. I was in hog heaven. And it just spoke magnitudes. And even then, it was speaking to me how God loves a cheerful giver. How when we look beyond, you know, it's what well, I've heard one person say one time, you know, they said, I met a man that didn't have no, sh I, you know, I was complaining because he didn't have no shoes. But then I met a man who didn't have no feet. You know, someone's always less fortunate. Someone always willing to eat that food that you don't want to eat. Even if it's on the ground, they'll pick it up and eat it because they're hungry. But we have gotten so complacent that I'm tired of eating this Roman noodles and I want something else. But people would love to eat that that's, that's starving. But I've learned to be appreciative for what you have because you never know what the next person is going through. So I learned a lot that day. Matthew 25 and 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Insomuch as you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. We're going to talk about seven characteristics of a good servant. Number one, good servant makes himself available to serve. Just like a soldier, a servant must be standing by for duty. He must be willing for his schedule to be interrupted. A good servant does what is needed, even when it's inconvenienced. Serving requires an attitude of the heart that says, whatever needs to be done, 
I'm all in. I'm willing. You think of Jesus. He said, Jesus came to serve. Jesus was God and man. The human side of him didn't want to go through what he was going through. What if tomorrow someone told you that they're going to get some cords, they're going to put glass, nails, spikes, and whatever, and they're going to beat you to a pulp where you're not recognized? They're going to parade you before the whole world for the world to see. They're going to strip you of your clothing, and they're going to do this, that. I'm not me. I wouldn't want to go through that. But the human side of him, when he was in the garden, and he was praying, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But in the same breath, nevertheless, he realized that, hey, for this reason I came. He came to serve. He came to seek those that were lost. And he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. And thus he fulfilled what he was to fulfill, being that good servant, that servant above all servants. Number two, a good servant does every task with equal dedication. The size of the task is irrelevant. Colossians 3.23, God says, do all things with all your heart. We can look at Jesus as an example. He specialized in menial tasks, washing feet. Can you imagine some of them disciples' feet, them long toenails and... Woo, and that dust had been hitting it all day. <laughs> he specialized in washing their feet. He specialized in fixing breakfast. He specialized in serving leopards. Nothing was beneath him. And I'm going to embellish this a little, Pastor. When we were on High Point Road between the Dollar General and a pawn shop down in the basement, I had gotten a service early because I had some things that I had to do with maintenance. And I didn't know at the time that one of the bathrooms was stopped up. But soon as I walked in, like, whoo, something hit. And I, what is that? I thought maybe an animal or something got up in the... Yeah, I followed the smell, and I went to the bathroom. There was Pastor in there trying to unstop the commode. My first response was, I got it, Pastor. And Pastor Superman didn't have nothing on Pastor. Pastor was faster than a speeding bullet. I blinked, Pastor was gone. Just kidding. Not really, he was gone. But here's the thing about it. There's a lot of so-called pastors, ministers, that wouldn't even pick up a very paper on the floor, let alone try to unstop a commode. I mean, that stuff was kicking. It was rough. It was like a buffalo walked in there and died. I mean, it was like, hey, I don't want to breathe. Can I hold my breath? You know, will this stuff go down so I can get out of here and get fresh? Where's the Tic Tac? Where's the, where's some spray? But here it was, Pastor was in there trying to unstop the commode. You know, that spoke magnitudes in my heart. That's the caliber of pastors that we have here at Harvest World Outreach Church. Yes, yes, yes. And I will never take that for lightly. I'll never take it lightly. Because I remember when we first came to Harvest and he told people, said, try us for a year. You know, hey, I'm paraphrasing. You know, put us under the microscope. Examine us. And, and in a year's time, make a decision on whether you want to be this home or not. And we were, uh, we were obs observing. 
because we had been through a lot of mess. We came here hurting. I mean, we were hurting so bad. But as I say so many times, we don't hurt no more. We got the best pastors in the whole wide world. In the whole wide world, to me, I stack them up against anybody. I'm so proud to be a member here at Harvest Church. I don't take it lightly. I'm not a hireling. I'm in it for the long haul. I've seen people come. I've seen them go. Some for little penny ante stuff. But yet, the prodigals are coming home, and I do believe that. Because there's no place like home. Just like Dorothy, when she clicked that heel, no place like home. No place like home. And when you get home, where you're being fed, it's a good thing. Because like I say, we were hurting, but we were fed, and we grew strong. And well, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so. But when he was in that bathroom, that spoke magnitudes in my heart. Man of integrity. Don't mind getting his hands wet. Can you imagine some of these mega menaces, you know, walking around and they walk, seeing a toilet that's stopped up, you know. They gone. Next thing you know, Leon, clean up on aisle four. <laughs> but he was in there trying to unstop that commode. And it was an honor for me to go in there and smell buffalo. It was an honor. So I would never, ever, ever forget that. <laughs> so here's this. Small tasks often show a big heart. Small task. Your servant heart reveals in the little acts what others don't think of doing. Great opportunities often disguise themselves in little tasks. Number three, a good servant ne never tries to outshine his master, his pastor, his leader. When I stand up here, I'm not standing up here to try, hey, I'm going to make pastor look this, that, that. That is never, you know, you do that, you set yourself up for the fall. Pride comes before the fall. You know, each time when I speak, I say, Lord, give me what you want me to say. Let me represent Harvest World and my pastors be proud of me. And I learned that say what the word says and leave it at that. Because who are we to fight against the word? You know, heaven and earth pass away, but his words never passes away. His word stands sure. His word is that solid foundation. We're talking about a servant's heart. Reaching out, helping those who are less fortunate. So a good servant will never try to outshine his leader, his pastor, his, his master. John 1, 19 through 23. This is the record of John the Baptist. And he is a very good example of a good servant who didn't try to outshine his master. And this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but he confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, and they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I'm not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, 
I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As said the prophet Isaiah, John could have made himself great among men because they already thought John was great, but he didn't buy into that. John always pointed to his master. This is the one that I'm talking about. This is the one that was preferred before me. I'm not even worthy to unloose or tie his shoes. Behold, the Lamb of God. Number four, a good servant follows even if he doesn't agree with the direction. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your soul as those who will have to give account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. In other words, don't drag your feet behind the bus. You're only going to wear your shoes out. May as well get on the bus and have a good ride. You know, it's, um, you don't have to agree with everything here at Harvest Church. As long as it doesn't go contrary to the word of God, you follow it. Paul says, follow me while I follow Christ. They've got, just like time back when there was land and we were thinking about building a church, where were those two places? You know, a lot of people were, yeah, you know, hey, oh, yes, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. But they had a check in their heart. And if they had a listen to the people, we wouldn't be here in this church that was reserved just waiting for us. It had our name on it, Harvest World Outreach Church, and nobody could get it. It was meant for us. And look at the short time we've been here at this church. I was almost paid in full. And we're believing by the end of this year, it's going to be paid in full. Everything we own, the church, individually, we're believing paid in full. Why? Because we're tithing. Because we're givers, because we walk under the open windows of heaven. And God will always pour us out blessings if we're faithful and we're obedient to his word. It shall and it will come to pass. If we just believe, if we hold on with that bulldog tenacity, not letting go of the hope and the promises that God has in store for us. When we stand with that servant's heart, God will manifest himself in our lives. God will show himself strong. So if you see someone coming in the church and you got to see smoke coming from their feet, you know they're dragging their feet behind the bus. Tell them, hey, get on board. We don't want to wear them shoes out. <laughs> Number five, a good servant doesn't have fried pastor on Sundays or any other day that ends in Y. You know, the sound booth, they asked me when I came in, said, Brother Robert, said, do you make a type of, was there an error or something in this fried pastor? I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's what it is, fried pastor. And I, I laughed. <laughs> if, for those who don't know what a fried pastor is, here's an example of a fried pastor. You leave church Sunday. You're sitting around the table. The conversation has gone from how big the kids are growing to sports to uh, politics. And all of a sudden, Somebody start frying pasta. You know, the other day I called pastor and I said, Pastor, I need you to come over and pray for this bunion on my big toe. 
And do you know he had the nerve to send Brother Bubba Deacon Joe over there to pray for my toe? I don't even like Brother Deacon Bubba Joe. And he sent him over there to pray for my toe. If anything, before he asked anybody to come over there and pray for his toe, he needed to put some lotion on them ashy feet. That's a fried pastor. And here at Harvest Church, we don't have fried pastor. I remember way back <laughs> when I was new to the church, but I wasn't new, new. And I was with some friends. They were sitting around talking. And just like the illustration I gave you, they start talking, and next thing you know, somebody start trying to fry pastor. And when it did, immediately my bridge went up. I mean, I, I got offended. And you know, sometimes your mouth say things before you can think. And that's what my mouth did. I said, that's a lie. I said, I know my pastors. I know their integrity. They would never say, they would never do anything like that. So we need to change the conversation. And I left it like that. And what they said, which was a lie, proved to be a lie. We don't do fried pasta. You get that on every day that ends in a while? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Every day ends in a while. So we don't do fried pasta. <laughs> it took me a while first stuff when I first heard that. So you got it? <laughs> every day that ends in a while, we don't serve fried pasta. Just like I had a soup for every day that ends in a while when I had my suits. So we don't do Fried pastor. First Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13 in Amplified. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to appreciate those who diligently work among you. Recognize, acknowledge, and respect your leader who are in charge over you in the Lord and who give you instruction. And we ask that you appreciate them and that you hold them in highest esteem and love because of their work on your behalf. Live in peace with one another. Number six, a good servant is faithful in his giving. That includes both time and money. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy bones be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I like to make, is it called a disclaimer? But anyhow, here at Harvest Church, you will never, ever, ever, ever feel forced to give. Never, ever. We're taught that seed time and harvest. We're taught the principles of tithing. But you will never be forced to give. I want to tell you a story about my two cheeseburgers. <laughs> I was at church, and offering time came. Now, you, you know, they came in waves three, four times in one session. So I was always prepared because I knew what was going to happen. I had my tithes in one pocket. I had offerings and stuff, and I had the things that are going to be when it goes to the next one and the next one. So I had that. And then in my back pocket, I had my cheeseburger money. There was one fast food place. This was back in the late 70s. They used to serve the best cheeseburgers. I won't call the name because the cheeseburgers have done took a plunge. But they used to be the, I mean, it, those cheeseburgers were so good it make you want to go home and kick a stump barefooted. They were just that good. So I had my cheeseburger money in here. And they asked me to help 
take up offerings. Notice I didn't say receive. We were getting ready to take up offering. So I'm sitting up here. Here's a table. And we have to count it when they're bringing it up. So they're bringing it up and we're counting it. And all of a sudden they may get to a certain amount. They want to they get it to the hundredth. You know, if it, like if it's 150, you want to get it to 200. So they were close to whatever it was. And saints, we need to go around one more time. I'm reaching in my pocket and put in and they get it and they got that. But they're closer to another hundred. So saints, <laughs> we need to go around one more time, one more time. And I'm like, oh, Lord, my change is getting empty. I kept pulling out. And next thing you know, we had done been about two or three rounds. My tithe, I done gave that. My money's gone. And I was at the point where all I had was my cheeseburger money. I was like, oh, Lord, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, not my cheeseburger money. Jesus, 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 not my cheeseburger money. I was tasting them cheeseburgers. I mean, I was tasting them. Lord, please, not my cheeseburger money. And sure enough, <laughs> saints, one more time, I reached in the back, and I left my cheeseburger money there. Two hours later when church was over, two hours later, you get me? I got in my car. I mean, I was so hot, you could have struck a match on my forehead. I don't know what I ate that night, but I know it wasn't no two cheeseburgers. What's the moral of the story? Here at Harvest Church, you can keep your cheeseburger money. <laughs> I'm very hard to do as good like a medicine. <laughs> okay, in closing, number seven. <laughs> a good servant is faithful to the church God has called him to serve in. Matthew 10, 40 through 42 in the message. We are intimately linked in this harvest work. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, the one that sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help. This is the Lord's work that I have called you into, but do not be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Give a cup of water to someone who is thirsty. Or give someone that suit that you love so much. For instance, the smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on one thing. You know, there's five questions I just want to ask, and you can just ponder and think about them. It says... Are we fulfilling our responsibilities? Number two, are we keeping our promises? Three, are we a follow-through kind of person? Four, are we hanging in there when it's rough, that bulldog tenacity? Number five, do we serve for the approval and applause of others, or do we live for an audience of one? What we do in secret, God always brings to the light. God sees our heart, and he'll reward us openly. He'll put us upon that rock, and he'll establish our going. 
Put a song in our heart, even a praise on our lips. Even when we're going through the storms of life, God is there. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Even in sickness, when our bodies are riddled with pain, when the doctors shake their heads and say, there's no hope, there is hope. There was hope for me. As I've said so many times, I was diagnosed with an incurable disease that destroyed all your vital organs. You don't live, but I'm still kicking. I'm still standing. That's been 30-something years ago. So God has been good, and he is a healer. So whose report are we going to believe? I'm believing his. His says I'm free. His says I'm whole, I'm delivered, I'm set free from all manner of sickness, from all manner of disease. And what that slew-foot devil meant for evil, God always turns for good. God knows our heart. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you through thick, through thin. He's there to see us through. If we just have faith to believe, then all things are possible. Those mountains that are high, they become low and we can step over them. And we can walk into all that God has for us. This is a blessed church. This is a church of servant leaders who are faithful, loyal, tithing who give of themselves, and God will reward each and every one of us individually. His word is true. I know sometimes we get stretched because it seems like we're pulled in a lot of directions, but even then, God sees. I was stretched when I had to give my suit away. That was my favorite suit. But God, but God, what we make happen for him, he makes happen for us. Good measure, press down shaking together and running over. It never ends because he says so. We just believe all things are possible. Let's pray. Father, we're so glad that you're Abba Father and there's nothing too hard for you to do. We're thankful that we're looking to Jesus. He's our author. He's our finisher. Under his wings, we trust. Under your wings, we have that blessed hope that everything's going to be all right. Lord, we're thankful for Harvest Church. We're thankful for our pastors. We call them whole. We call them healed. We call them delivered from all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. We say everything they own in this church, we continue to say is paid in full. We thank you for their children, for Hannah. Bless her as she leads this praise team. We know there's no big eyes, no little use, but there's one heart, one mind, one voice, one sound that edifies and lifts us up so that those who come in that are destitute, they have hope. Those that are giving up, it gives them a joy just to hold on. Just through what they're singing, it brings peace. It brings hope, that blessed hope that everything's going to be all right. We're thankful for every member here at Harvest Church. For those that are watching online, we thank you for the day that we will see them face to face. You have not given them the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Speak to their hearts and their minds, and we know it's well with their soul. And whether they're here in person or via the internet, we're thankful that they're still being connected. And we call them blessed. We call them whole, healed, delivered. We say this too shall pass. 
We thank you, Father. And when all is said and done, we continue to give you all the honor and all the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.